Welcome back to Bottom Line IT on the Michigan Business Network. I am Mike Maddox, your host, and I am thrilled beyond belief to have my favorite cybersecurity professional back on the program once again. You'll, those of you that are longtime listeners and viewers of Bottom Line IT will recognize Josh Gambala. Josh, welcome. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. Don't tell the others that you're my favorite cybersecurity professional. I won't. Okay. So, especially the one sitting behind you. <laughs> so... Anyway, we're talking about security, of course, cybersecurity. That's the theme. That's your world. That's what you live in and and, uh, and manage day in and day out as a part of ASK's ESS team, Enhanced Security Services. ASK, of course, a division of Convergence. And uh, we've got a much larger team with the addition of the Convergence security folks. But what I want to get into is why don't you give our listeners an update of what's changed over the last 12 months? You know, it, from a cybersecurity perspective? Well, from the response side of things, I don't know that a lot has changed compared to where we were last year. Now, a lot of people are still working from home and that does nullify a lot or or reduce the effectiveness of a lot of the security mechanisms that that people had in place. So I I would say about five years ago, we were really looking at like network-based detection mechanisms. uh, especially so we could cover things like IoT uh, that uh, don't necessarily uh, get covered through through endpoint. But I think yeah, now we're finding if you yeah. if you're not yeah. But I think now we're really finding a lot of additional value in endpoint technologies to supplement, um, uh, you know, the, those network uh, security mechanisms. Obviously, you know, most organizations on-premise networks and still has, you know, things like servers and potentially IoT devices. And there's some, maybe some in-office or partial in-office employees that are there. Uh, but we also need to do something for those clients that, uh, you know, have a large remote workforce uh, that are taking company computers home. And that's where they're working from now. Yeah. And, you know, now we're in this uh, weird dynamic where it's more of a hybrid model. You're, you've got folks working in the office sometimes, sometimes working at home. Uh, has that introduced new challenges? I mean, or is it the same challenge that you need to protect both the office, the enterprise, as well as the remote worker, wherever they may be? Could be a coffee shop, could be, you know, a home office, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it has introduced uh, new challenges. Um you know, one of the things that comes to mind immediately is, you know, previously uh, people were working from home, if they were, maybe one or, or two days a week or or situationally, you know, uh, kids homesick from school or, uh, you know, you have to uh, wait for a service technician or someone to come to the house. And we would expect that those computers would come back into the environment and they would do things like uh, get updated with patches or uh, you know, if you had a vulnerability management program, they would get checked again. And now those computers, if they do come back, don't come back for potentially months at a time. Uh, so similar to how you know we see a lot of value from endpoint uh, tools for detecting you know things that are malicious on the computer, we're also seeing additional value uh, using endpoint tools for things like vulnerability management. Mm-hmm. Our you know our patching solution has always. Uh, you know, worked whether a device was on-premise or not. But for a lot of customers, use, um, you know, the Microsoft-based solutions, uh, those machines could be missing out on a lot of patching. Sure. If they're not coming back to the environment. And and you mentioned Microsoft. And because more and more businesses are now cloud-based, 
meaning that their email uh, tenant and a lot of their files, their server might be in the cloud. In Microsoft's the most commonplace. Um, it, there's a misconception, isn't there, that because I've placed it in Microsoft, I no longer have to worry about cybersecurity? Yeah, I mean, uh, Microsoft and, and you know Microsoft Azure, Microsoft 365, there's a lot of great things there. And you can definitely leverage those, uh, especially if you have a, a very remote work base, uh, workforce from authentication to collaboration. Um, you know, there's all kinds of tools, including security tools, but they're not enabled out of the box. You know, someone has to actually get those tools established and running for you and get them configured, um, potentially work with end users so they understand how it works. Uh, so a lot to use and a lot of functionality, but um, by default, you're just getting, uh, you know, the most basic settings. Yeah, and that makes sense to me. I talk to a lot of business owners uh, and we talk about cybersecurity and a lot of them will say, well, you know, we put all our stuff in the cloud as if to say, well, we're all set, but you're not unless you add the additional security tools and um, there's a myriad of tools. So you really need some expert help to, to wade through what is appropriate for my business and at what cost. Yeah, even uh, the licensing level is is incredibly important because yeah. um, you know that functionality. A lot of that is still you know paywalled. Yeah, and so it does matter. So that's good advice, Josh. We um, are going to come back after the break and get into some of these these uh, topics in a little more depth. So don't go anywhere. Um, if you're listening and watching, stay with us. We are coming right back on Bottom Line IT on the Mission Business Network. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Welcome back, everybody, to Bottom Line IT on the Michigan Business Network. Mike Maddox, your host. Josh Kambala, our resident security expert. You know, I, I kind of like this, Josh. It's kind of like CNN does this in the news programs. Whenever they have a topic, the host's job is fairly easy. It basically just introduces the topic, and then they bring on, like, our medical expert or our <laughs> financial, you know, correspondent. I'm you no are. Dave Kennedy, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... My job's easy, you know, ask you questions and let you do the smart stuff. Let's get into the cost of cyber attack. And, you know, without without uh, devolving into, I don't even think devolving is a word, without going into like just scare, trying to scare people, the costs are going up, are they not? I mean, let's talk about what they are. Well, I mean, that that's really going to depend on the situation. But if you just want to talk about guaranteed costs, so uh, you're going to have attorney's fees unless you're doing it wrong. You know, if you've had an incident, contacting uh, counsel is something that's incredibly important because they should be the one that's engaging, uh, you know, with the cybersecurity firm in order um, to investigate all of that, determine your liability. That's their job, right? 
Well, and, and just to interject for a second, it's important that our listeners know that when your attorney is directing the actions of your cybersecurity firm and your accounting firm and whoever else you've got involved in this, your PR firm, you get uh, attorney-client privilege attached to it. Whereas you don't, if you don't go through your attorney, and that may be important later. Yeah, it definitely could be. And, and that's right. You know, we get a letter of engagement from the attorney uh, before we start during, doing the work. Um, in order to maintain that confidentiality. Uh, because you're right, that work could be used against you in court potentially. Um, so you're going to have attorney's cost, and I'm sure you're aware, you know, attorneys are relatively expensive. Uh, and depending on, what they, yeah, depending on what they determine your liability to be, you may have to do something like pay for a credit monitoring service uh, for people that were affected for some period of time. So you could have those costs. Uh, if you're talking like a ransomware incident, uh, your costs are also going to be, you know, whatever that time is that you potentially weren't able to operate um, from, you know, the time the incident is stopped until restoration is complete. You know, there's all types of interruptions that come with a cybersecurity incident, and they, they're not necessarily just uh, measured in, in true downtime. You have all that additional cost associated with potential overtime for IT staff. Um, for you know, executives, uh, management team lead that's taken away from their role in order to uh, potentially work on those types of incidents. I mean, all of those things cost money. Uh, yeah, the two that get forgotten forgotten a lot when people talk about costs are the public relations cost and the trust or lo or loss of trust in your client base. Mm -hmm. um, because you know your clients are putting their trust in you for your goods or your services or whatever it is you do, and when you have a major attack, um, you know they're looking at you like, well, you know, you should have been, you should have been better, you should have been more diligent, right? Because it, th this impacts me now, right? So yeah, and depending on what you do, that can be obviously, you know, much worse. Um, you know, if you're a, a, a company that owns a couple of restaurants, people aren't necessarily going to stop eating at your restaurants if you have uh, a security incident, although if it involves their credit cards, they might. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Wendy's had that happen you know, years back. Uh, but if you're a company that provides any type of technology or has access to customer data, um, well, that's a really big deal. And it's such a big deal that the federal government has decided they want to get in on the act. Um, yep. So just recently they announced that uh, the um, Justice Department is potentially going to start using the False Claims Act uh, to hold contractors and grant recipients responsible for losing uh, public sector data. Um, wow. Or private sector, or yeah, public sector data, sorry. And, uh, and that, I mean, <laughs> who knows what types of penalties those are going to involve but if you're a company that has that data you need to be concerned that uh you know as they put it you know the silence is no longer going to be acceptable right yeah and the other example that comes to mind along those same lines josh if you're a manufacturer and you have a an outage due to a cyber breach your supply chain is affected and in your oem or tier one or whoever you supply to may not want to buy from you anymore um yeah. in fact that's what's behind CMMC. If listeners have, have heard of that, that for the DOD uh, industry, you know, for, for companies that supply the Department of Defense, they're saying we're you're going to harden up all, your entire supply chain, and we're going to measure it, audit it, 
assess it, and we're going to tell you whether you get the contract or not based on your cybersecurity posture. Yeah, you may have uh, some type of an SLA or uh, an agreement with, if you're a supplier, with your clients as well, um, that if you fail to meet you know, certain quotas, there are financial penalties that you incur. Yeah, absolutely. And and so the costs, I mean, they're real. Um, they, they, I guess, are going up depending on the type of breach. But what I'm hearing you say is the costs are really hard to measure because it's not just the outage. It's not just the amount of ransomware that they want to charge. It goes beyond that and it goes into your reputation as a business. It goes into your trust with the trust that you have with your clients and your customers and others in your supply chain. And so it warrants doing due diligence to bring in a professional to find out what is your posture today and does it need to be enhanced. And we'll get into some of that as we go through this because there are things people can do. We are talking with Josh Kimbala. This is Bottom Line IT. We're coming back right after this. Thank you for listening and stay with us. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Welcome back to Bottom Line IT on the Michigan Business Network. Mike Maddox, your host. So glad that you are listening or watching wherever that may be from, because as listeners know, this show is broadcast all over the world. I mean, just everywhere. I think you can get it anywhere you go. But in fact, I know you can through the magic of the Internet. Right, Josh? That's right. Josh Gambala is my guest. He is our cybersecurity expert, uh, heads up our enhanced security services department at uh, ASK slash convergence slash grade A, depending on where you are in the world, all one company under the convergence umbrella. Josh, we've been talking about costs of cyber attack are increasing. If I'm a business owner listening to this, okay, I get it. The threat landscape's bigger. Uh, the whole world has changed because of COVID. It's now a hybrid environment or it's a remote environment. Uh, it's it's making me more vulnerable. Costs are higher. I'm at risk. Uh, what are what are what can I do? I mean, what advice would you give a business executive? I and mean, what are some things they can do, you know, to to mitigate that? Well, first, I I would tell every single person as the very first item that you need to have multi-factor authentication enabled on as many platforms as possible. But if you're only going to pick one. It needs to be on your email slash collaboration platform, uh, you know, whether that's uh, in the Microsoft or Google ecosystem um, where most of them live now. And just to clarify, so multi-factor authentication is having more than one way to log in, right? So most people know this now, but just in case you're listening and you don't know, it's you log, you log on with your ID and password into your computer or your application or your email. And then you have to go to your phone and get a code and put the code in. Yeah, or you get a push notification that pops up on the screen that you have to uh, interact with. It's just like you put it. It's uh, not just username and password. It's username, password typically, and then something else. That's that's a huge thing. What else can they do? Um, Well, if you've gotten that taken care of already, Uh, There are a couple options. You could uh, assess your business in its entirety and determine what weak points you have that uh, need to be uh, 
resolved. Mm -hmm. um, you could uh, go a little further with those collaboration platforms if that's where your business is almost entirely existing now and make sure that you're fully utilizing the options for security that are built into them. Um, if you only operate in the United States, something like a conditional access that prevents logins from outside the United States uh, maybe something you want to look into. Um, well, a, a business owner is not going to know how to do those things, right? So I, I sure. think what you, what you said is um, is really important. And what I usually say when people say, what's the one thing I can do? I, I do talk about multi-factor authentication, but I, but I often say, have an assessment done by a qualified cybersecurity professional. And that can be, that can be us, that can be your team, or it can be anybody if, if they're qualified. Right. Because that will give you that insight of what what do I need to do in my environment, in my cloud environment, my physical environment. There's lots of aspects to this, right? Yeah, and I would say that that is a great step to take. If um, no, but maybe there are some businesses that don't think that's where they're at yet. Uh, one thing you can absolutely do if you're a business owner, um, an executive, is you can ask questions. Uh, don't just assume that everything is okay and that everything is being taken care of, uh, you know, go to the people that are responsible, whether it's your IT team or a contractor and say, you know, what steps are you taking to protect our security? Um, and don't walk away if the answer is don't worry about it. Make sure that oh, you get actual answers. Yeah, we, or we've got it taken care of. Uh, you know, another thing that, that, that comes to mind, I want to ask you about this, is an incident response plan, which it's very different than a cybersecurity plan, right? I mean, it goes beyond just the technology of protecting the business from a cybersecurity standpoint. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, so having an incident response plan, you know, who's going to be contacted, what role everyone's going to play uh, in the event that something does happen is, is critical. Um, you don't want to try to make those decisions while things are hectic, while things are going on. Uh, you want to know ahead of time, and it'll be a lot easier for you to recover if you've defined all those steps. And there's a bunch of frameworks out there uh, that you can use to start to develop those plans. But if we go back to you know asking your team, um, you know what steps they've taken, asking them whether they have that plan and whether it's documented, and you know what role everyone plays is also a good thing to ask. You know, the example that I think of a lot of times with an incident response plan is it's not only what steps are we taking to protect us from, uh, using technology, using proactive cybersecurity, for example, but, okay, let's say we, we can't access the building. There's a natural disaster or a fire and it's a Wednesday morning. Um, well, what if payroll's on Wednesday? Are, are you not going to pay? So, in a good incident response planning consultant will help you determine those scenarios beforehand and come up with your policies. So in that example, it might be, well, we'll we'll pay everybody based on last week's wages and then we'll rectify the differences later. Well, how are we going to pay them? Well, we need to keep, you know, duplicate checks off site. Or if, if your payroll is electronic, um, is that backed up? You know, is that protected? Um, those yeah. are the things that you talk about ahead of time, right? Yeah, and I think that, you know, what you're describing there even goes beyond your incident response. So what you basically have is something like a continuity of operations or a business continuity plan, which can then in contain an incident response plan, a disaster recovery plan inside of that, that larger one. So if you're not having those discussions, if you don't know what you're going to do about supply chain interruption, if you don't know 
whether you're going to have you know a warm site for operation you know having that conversation about business continuity can then include incident response and disaster recovery absolutely that's good advice josh we are going to talk about more of this and how to evaluate the right partner. So don't go anywhere, stay with us. We're coming right back on Bottom Line IT. Travel for fun and excitement, craving a relaxing getaway. No matter where you want to go or what you want to do, you can trust Dean Trailways to get you there. Our luxury motor coach lets you relax while you travel. No traffic to worry about, no parking fees, no hassle. Are you looking for some sizzling excitement this fall? Let Dean Trailways bring on the heat and take you to Fire Keepers, Michigan's newest gaming hotspot. Experience the thrills of the slots, blackjack, craps, the live poker room, and indulge in the world-class restaurants, all while counting on Dean to bring you home safely. Dean Trailways of Michigan. Travel smart. Welcome back once again to Bottom Line IT on the Michigan Business Network. Mike Maddox, your host. We're glad that you are listening or watching the program. If you're listening on the Michigan Business Network, check out the other programs. Phenomenal network, all focused on you and your business and how to be more productive, profitable, successful. Our show, we talk about technology. We talk about how to leverage technology to make your business more efficient, more effective, more profitable, and definitely more secure. And we've got my guest today, Josh Gimbala, who is our security expert, runs our enhanced security services team at uh, ASK Convergence Networks. Josh, I want to talk about um, what's happened in our industry, which is because cybersecurity is such a hot topic and it's such a real threat and and, uh, every business needs to be protected, Every IT company on the planet now has loaded their website and their marketing uh, material and their sales pitches with cybersecurity, cybersecurity, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they know what they're doing with cybersecurity, right? Yeah, it's very much a rock, paper, scissors between cybersecurity, AI, machine learning, and all of the other buzzwords that you can fit into a uh, uh, you know, an article, but um, no, it doesn't mean that they know what they're doing. Uh, a lot of times, uh, they're typically just reselling uh, another solution, and, and there's nothing wrong with that um, unless you're claiming to have knowledge uh, based on the fact that, that you're just selling a solution. I'd say that's problematic. But yeah, there's there's uh, definitely a huge portion of the industry, whether MSP, um, you know, even internet service providers have got into the game AT&T and Comcast, uh, mm-hmm. where everyone has the cybersecurity uh, solution for you. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting. I think back to years ago. I mean, we're probably approaching 10 years now. I don't know. But when you first came to me and said, hey, we need to develop proactive cybersecurity solutions and a a separate department to to do this. And this is before, you know, there was a breach every day and you read about it in the newspapers constantly. Um, So it wasn't a hot topic. Um, I didn't understand it. And another thing I didn't understand, so you you had the vision for this. And the other thing I didn't understand was that IT, IT folks, that are skilled in technology and networks are different than cybersecurity folks. The training's different. Can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so there, there's crossover, of course. Uh, 
you know, we kind of are looking at our department uh, separated into to, uh, two sections for, um, you know, uh, of the Lansing office. We have uh, people that provide the, you know, enterprise security solutions, whether that's monitoring or endpoints, uh, and then people that uh, work on uh, security-based uh, IT functions for the clients, whether that's uh, firewall configurations or uh, group policy, or uh, even something like a validation of projects to uh, ensure that they're, you know, not just putting something out with a bunch of vulnerabilities. New websites, you know, for instance, are a good example. Um, but that's our entire focus. So all of those things we do, whether they're monitoring or even a standard IT function, we do from the perspective of security. Uh, and right. that's how we we measure ourselves. Um, you know, when you have a, a bunch of metrics that uh, are perfectly reasonable for things like, um, you know, time to resolution and, you know, in some cases, uh, you know, uh, sending out uh, surveys, those don't necessarily uh, work as well for measuring how well a security solution is implemented. Right. Um, so we measure our success differently and we think about our tasks always from the perspective of is what we're doing secure uh, going to lead to an improvement in the customer's security? Well, I think, and I think that when you're looking at, as a business owner, if you're evaluating your managed service provider or your IT partner, it's important to ask some basic questions like do you have a separate IT department for the reasons that you just articulated um, and you know the, the training's different and the certifications are different but the other thing that comes to mind is do you have a partner that has people on staff that have the consulting expertise to help you plan your security posture because it's not a one-size-fits-all Right. There's no there's no standard tech stack for cybersecurity. It all depends on the business, the industry, um, their risk tolerance um, and and how much risk they want to mitigate uh, and at what cost. And, and also how much freedom they want to give up, because, I mean, the more cybersecurity protection you implement to a degree, you give up some freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. So. That's a nuanced thing that takes a professional with experience to to walk them through it. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, and there are a lot of compliances too that different customers might be trying to achieve. And and yeah, they all have uh, some commonalities to them. Um, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't want someone that's well versed in that uh, specific compliance to be the one that's helping you to to get through it. Right. Um, right. But yeah, a good example would be uh, like organizations that produce food. Uh, they may have specific uh, physical requirements. Um, there's all kinds of things that are are, are very specific to different verticals um, that have to be taken into consideration. Now, we, we've been talking about CMMC a lot, DOD. Um, yeah. You know those businesses. Even inside of that, there there are different verticals, but the all the compliance they're all shooting for is the, the same in that case. Yeah, and, and to your credit and to my benefit, you built a, a team that has the consulting expertise, the business acumen, but also the people that understand the network protection layer, the tools, the monitoring, and they're doing it, they do it every day, all day. And so uh, much appreciation for that. And uh, we are gonna come back with more with Josh right after this. So don't go anywhere, stay right where you're at and just continue to listen or view the podcast. We're coming right back on Bottom Line IT. 
meticulously managed meetings, carefully planned conferences, and beautiful beginnings. That's what you'll find at Treetops Resort. We have an ideal location just minutes from I-75 and over 25,000 square feet of meeting and convention space. No matter what you're planning, let our spectacular views, spacious lodging, and outstanding customer service show you why Treetops is Michigan's most spectacular resort. Get a no-hassle quote for your next meeting at treetops.com or call at 888-TREETOPS. Welcome back again to Bottom Line IT on the Michigan Business Network. I need another way to, to bump in the show. I, I keep saying welcome back once again, welcome back again. I gotta have a new I gotta have a new phrase. That's getting old. Welcome to the cybersecurity bunker. There That's you go. That's the old way of introducing it. Yeah, welcome to the cybersecurity bunker with Josh Kimbale. Josh, we've been talking about a lot of things. And we were talking in the last segment about your uh, evaluating as, as a business your your IT partner and whether they are the right partner for you to help you with cybersecurity to you know mitigate your risk and enhance your cybersecurity posture. Here's a dirty little secret in uh, the managed IT business that we, the managed IT providers don't talk about, but we're going to. We're probably the most attacked industry. Is that is that a true statement? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely a lot of attacks on managed service providers. Um, there's a lot of value in potentially compromising a managed service provider. Uh, it's it's very, if you think about it on the individual level, uh, accessing someone's email account uh, basically gives you access to all of their other accounts because you can use that to reset their passwords. Well, compromising a managed service provider is close to the equivalent of compromising all of their customers. Um, uh, especially since managed service providers rely on tools that allow them to manage those environments. Uh, that frequently involves the deployment of software into those environments uh, without necessarily any restrictions. So, so let's, break, let's break that down just a little bit because a managed service provider's job is to monitor their client's network for you know computer failures, server issues, network issues, correct them before they become, you know, business impacting. Their job is also to, you know, provide help to their user base as a help desk function, provide guidance and planning for IT and how IT can be used in the business. To do that efficiently, you talked about software tools. Every managed service provider uses a piece of software that runs on all the computers and the network devices and the servers in their client's environment. Yeah, it's called an agent. We call it an agent. There's different companies that do this. Once a bad guy gets into the managed service provider environment and is inside there, they can use those agents to get into the clients. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, That's, absolutely. So Kaseya was an example of this, was it? Now Kaseya is an agent. Well, they were the RMM provider. All right, so define that software. Or... Yeah, so uh, like you were talking about, you know, the agent, we, we call that, you know, the, the RMM, um, and that agent gets pushed out to the computers. In this case, Kaseya is the company that makes that software, uh, and they were the one that was compromised. And so they were able to use um, in, you know, what was, they refer to it as a supply chain attack, uh, but they get into Kaseya, 
uh, they compromise the update uh, or the compromise the the software for Kaseya, push that out to the managed service providers, and now you can compromise multiple managed service providers instead of you know just one. Um, and then from there, in some cases, they were able to use those managed service providers to then compromise their clients. Yeah, I mean it's it's really a brilliant attack. It's it's a horrible attack, but you know. If, from the from the strategic point of view, if you're a bad guy, that's a that's the way to go. You were getting a big pot of gold out of that thing, yeah. um, and it caused havoc. And I know that it kind of separated the wheat from the chaff too. We we have uh, divisions of our company, Convergence, that use Kaseya. Now we we were able to mitigate, and not we didn't have a single client that was breached, and nor did we lose any of our data. But I think that's because um, so, of something we talked about in the last segment. We have an entire team division of cybersecurity professionals that was able to go, okay, sale was breached. How do we uh, fence ourselves off here in our clients, right? Yeah, it's even trusted partners at this point can only be trusted so much. Yeah. Uh, you still have to take the steps to protect yourself, um, even though you may consider you know that partner to be trusted. So. Uh, that's just the way things have to work going forward. And the, an interesting concept there would be like, how do you apply that to someone like Microsoft, where, where their ecosystem is everything? Um, yep. And how do you do that? I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's a great question. But if you figure it out, we got a new business. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one way you can do that is by we talked about having an assessment done by a, by a qualified cybersecurity professional like yourself or your team to to let you know what your exposure is. You know, so you've got your servers and your data in Azure or in the cloud with Microsoft. Are you replicating that? Because that doesn't come out of the box. You know, you don't get that just because you're in Azure um, it, to the degree that you might need it. Um, so somebody to guide you in those decisions, right? Yeah, you definitely need to protect that platform and that ecosystem as diligently as you would protect anything else that was uh, of high value to your organization. Yeah, and it gets back to something you talked about earlier, which is a, if you're the CEO or the business executive, looking at this and you're listening to us right now, ask questions. I mean, just continue to ask questions, be inquisitive, don't accept we've taken care of that. You know, dive into it. And if you don't know the questions to ask, bring in, a, bring in an outside party to ask questions. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Because, I mean, what happens in the end is you're gonna be the one responsible, you know, regardless. So right. as an executive, the IT individuals are gonna go off and get new positions in IT somewhere else. Right. Yeah, that's a very good point. We are going to come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bottom Line IT on the Michigan Business Network. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com.
and welcome again to Bottom Line IT on the Michigan Business Network. Mike Maddox, so glad that you are listening to this podcast. We appreciate you viewing it in the vlog or vlog form or listening in the podcast form. We like to talk about technology and cybersecurity and how your business can utilize those tools to be more efficient, safer, more profitable, more effective. Josh Gambala is our resident security expert. Josh, we've covered a lot of ground in this podcast. We've talked about a lot of issues. And if I'm out there listening to this or watching the the video and I'm a business owner or an executive or I'm an IT director, IT manager, the question comes to my mind, how do I know that the company I've partnered with as my managed service provider or my managed security provider knows what they're doing and they're the right partner for me? How can I tell? And yeah, so I, we definitely have some questions um, that you could ask. Uh, one thing I would mention is you probably should have a vendor management program. So although you should be asking these questions of your MSP, there are other vendors you should be asking these same questions of or similar questions. Um, Somewhat jokingly to myself, I just thought, okay, how would you be able to immediately weed out uh, an MSP that might not be great uh, when it comes to cybersecurity? And my recommendation would be to call the help desk and ask them to open up remote desktop to your domain controller and see if they try to stop you. Uh, If they don't, it's probably a bad sign. Uh, So slow down on that point because you're you're using technical terms that actually I know what they mean, you know. Um, but not everybody would. So, you, you know, you're basically saying call into the help desk and say, I need you to open up a tunnel into my corporate network so that I can get access to do my work. And yeah, it's, it's it, no, okay. but seriously, that, that's a good that's a good method, because if if your managed service provider goes, sure, I can do that for you. And they they start clicking away and let you in without any validation that you should have access or. Uh, you know, without uh, looking at how does your corporation want remote access to be uh, coming in in a secure way, then you probably don't have the right partner. Yeah, again, somewhat jokingly, you know, that would definitely uh, uh, be an interesting uh, test to perform. But really, the questions you should be asking, um, you know, are, are things like, do they have documentation of the last risk assessment that they had performed? Um, you know, what are the credentials of the individuals that provide security inside the organization? You know, are those the individuals that are working on security for your organization? Because in a lot of cases, what we've found is that uh, they may be contracting out their personal security of their managed service provider, but those aren't the people that are doing the security for you, the managed service clients. Uh, there's, there's no interaction there. Um, they don't have those people on staff. Uh, and they're using, you know, their system administrators and network administrators, and those might be perfectly fine people. But as we've discussed before, they they don't have this single-minded focus of security like we do, right? Um, or or like other security practitioners are going to. I'm not saying that's exclusive to us, but is uh, no, we're the only one. Yeah, it's yeah. just us. Yeah, just us. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, um, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's a very good point. It's and it's one that I mentioned earlier that. Um, you got to be careful because everybody says they're great at cybersecurity if they're an IT provider, but but they're not. They're not all they're not all skilled in it. It takes years of training and certification, and these certifications are not easy. I've been in your in the uh, your, your part of the uh, building, 
and I see, you know, the certifications on the walls. You guys post them and they're and you have continuing education because threats change over time. You, this isn't a train them once and you're good to go. You got to continually train your staff. Yeah, one of the responsibilities of everyone on our team is they're responsible for researching and providing threat intelligence. Uh, and that's, you know, a daily part of what they do um, because that's how frequently it changes. Uh, so, you know, we may only get Microsoft patches once a month on Tuesday, but there are new things to learn every day. So you can ask about the certifications, the skills. Are these the people working on my account? Are they the same people that are monitoring my network? Because there should be different functions. Um, anything else you throw in there? Yeah, you know, back to the, the joke I had made is you could very easily ask them what types of controls they have in place in order to make sure that uh, um, uh, unsafe practices aren't being implemented in your environment. You know, are, are they regularly uh, taking a look at their changes and in their internal process to make sure uh, that, you know, these things are actually happening and they're not just, you know, a, a paper process, that they're actually being followed. Those, those are all reasonable, but really, uh, you know, having a good vendor management program. And I'm sure if you're a business that provides services to other businesses, you probably have gotten one of these documents that says, please fill out, you know, these items about your cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. You should be providing those to your vendors as well. Yeah, yeah, because we talked about this earlier too. You're, you know, the reason that your customers are asking you to fill those out is that we're all connected in the supply chain. The same thing applies to your partners that you work with and your vendors, you know, they're in, in another point you made, which was, you know, trust, trusted vendor, you know, only goes so far. You, you trust, but you have to verify and protect too. Absolutely. So yeah, those are all great points. And Josh, for more of these questions, if you go to the justask.net website, we have a list of questions you can ask your managed service provider to help get you started. Again, justask.net, and there's a list on there. So I thank you for your time, my friend. It's been great catching up with you again. It's nice seeing you, Mike. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And you've been listening to Bottom Line IT on the Michigan Business Network.